Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting and rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, stop, stop. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word GRADE to 323232 right now. Hooked on Phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun. And everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day. For more than 30 years, Hooked on Phonics has been the proven learn-to-read program that kids love to use. Text GRADE to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days. Guaranteed. Text GRADE to 323232 right now and get started for just $1. Text GRADE to 323232 now. Text GRADE to 323232. Welcome back to your weekly dose shock therapy brought to you by the Say It Again Network, Tyler Lawrence and Zach Alfers. Zach, what a huge win for the Bolts on Sunday. Absolutely huge. Um, and it's the reason I'm feeling absolutely fantastic today. We're, we're still alive. We're right in this, right in the middle of the playoff hunt and with a very solid 7-5 and record at this point after facing the NFL's second strongest strength of schedule. Five games left and we control our own destiny. That is absolutely amazing to think about because me and you were sitting here talking this time last week about how if the Chargers couldn't get this game done, that was going to be it, right? Um, and as soon as we were ready to throw in the towel on these guys, as soon as we thought they couldn't play any worse, they come out, have a performance like they did against the Bengals, and completely redeem themselves. I thought overall this was our best, most complete team game, and it was the most complete game in, in all three phases, right? The offense fed into the defense, which fed off the special teams. We'd stumbled a little bit overall in the third quarter, but I thought as a unit, that was our most complete team victory. And I, I think what we're finally starting to see, this team's finally starting to click. They're finally starting to gel, and they're hitting their stride at the most opportune time. We're going to get some very, very meaningful football to close out this December. And I don't remember the last time I was this excited for a Charger football team entering the final month of the regular season. Five more games left, Tyler. Three against division opponents with two 
against the lowly New York Giants and the Houston Texans mixed in there. Come on, man. We got some very exciting football to close out the year. I'm so, so excited for it, if you can't tell. Ironically, we actually took the Bolts to lose this game because the Bengals came in super hot. They were on and I fire. Thought, I thought this was going to be a game that, that they were not going to pull away in, and they ended up blowing out the Bengals, and, and it's a huge win for them when it comes to the playoffs because the Chargers own AFC Conference tiebreakers against the Browns, against the Steelers, and against the Bengals, and all three of those teams are, are borderline teams, and owning that that tiebreaker, it's so big to their chances. Like they boosted their opportunity to make the playoffs, even without winning the division, which they still have a a really good opportunity to. I mean, the Chiefs are only up by one game on the Chargers. Um, And it's weird because the AFC West has been flipping up and down. And I mean, the Raiders came out on top for the first couple of weeks and the Chargers (laughs) were holding the top spot. Then the Chargers dropped down to the bottom. So really was even were there for a week, I want to say. Yeah. So Uh, every every team in this AFC West is extremely strong and it really could go either way. But when you win this game against the Bengals, who should realistically make the playoffs as you know, a, a fifth or sixth seed if the Chargers don't uh, end up winning the conference. It's huge. It's so big to, to the – this game was so important on so many levels. So important. I think the biggest takeaway for me is if we take care of business in these final five games, we get in the playoffs. It's on us. And as any team, that's what you want. You want to be in the driver's seat. Uh, and we are in phenomenal shape uh, with the, the last month of football coming up. So the Chargers got some help uh, on Sunday for one. I mean, defensively, they played an outstanding game. I feel like this is the reason we won this game. Absolutely. But there were some injuries to the Bronx, uh, Bengals, specifically Joe Burrow hurting that pinky. And you could see him grimacing on the sideline. Uh, he was, I mean, you look at the touchdown uh, that ended up being a interception by Chris Harris Jr. That, that should have been a touchdown got underthrown, and some of those deep passes were coming out a little wobbly. I know he had that big, long game to Jamar Chase that somehow bobbled out of his hand. That was a touchdown. That was easily a touchdown. It ended up turning into another interception. Chargers had four takeaways on defense, and all of them huge, came in, in big-time moments. Uh, I, I'm not going to say that the Chargers really blew out the Bengals. I think that they got a lot of help by some – plays that went the opposite direction that went into turnovers. Well, good. I mean, it's about time the Chargers lucked out and got some, you know, 50-50 plays to go their way. And I think you're absolutely right. We finally got some breaks in this game for the first time all year. Um, And what did we do? We have our most dominant performance all year. Give us one break a game. uh, We're going to make teams pay. This game, we got multiple breaks, and that's why we won by multiple scores. It is interesting to, to think about how the Chargers jumped out to a 24-0 lead. Then the score was 24-22, and then they just pulled away. They still let the Bengals come back into the game. Defense caused a lot of turnovers, a lot of big plays. The defensive line played extremely, extremely well, Great, um, yeah. which is not something we are accustomed to in any way, shape, or form. We don't typically see that at all, and it was it was a big moment. Justin Herbert had like 180 yards passing five minutes into the second quarter. And I thought this was definitely going to be a 400-yard game for him. Uh, he ended up stalling out a little bit toward the toward the third quarter. 
but wow, it it was an exciting game to, to watch for sure. And I, I like the fact that we're seeing our defensive line holding Joe Mixon to 2.8 yards per carry. That is, and granted, we we they had injuries up front on the offensive line. Uh, the Bengals did, but you know what? The Broncos last week had injuries to their offensive line. We got demolished, destroyed in the run game. So even if it is against backups, I mean, Joey Bosa went out pretty early in the game to to uh, uh, he was cleared a concussion protocol, but Brandon Staley decided to keep him out. And Uchenna Nwosu stepped up big time. I think he had like eight total pressures, his most in his career. Um, on the opposite side, you had Kyler Fackrell generating pressure. We got Derwin James was just demolishing. <laughs> he was getting he was all over the place. Him and Kaiser White have to be in the Pro Bowl. They just got to be. Both of those guys. Well, let, let's talk about the run defense. Guess who's no longer the worst run defense in the league? The Los <laughs> Angeles Chargers, baby. And they've slowly been getting much better. I'm not going to say much better. They have slowly, slowly been getting better since the bye week. And I think the performance against the Broncos, it kind of just threw all of that improvement out the door because we just got gashed last week or the, uh, two weeks ago. But we are now 27th in yards per carry and 31st in yards per game. We're, we're getting there. Um, but to be able to bottle up Joe Mixon on the absolute tear he was on, um, 19 carries for 54 yards, they couldn't consistently run on us, and that really, really frustrated them. Samaji Pirine, he busted a couple big runs, but for the most part, we were in their backfield, and they couldn't get going. I, I thought before he went out with injury, Justin Jones was having a massive game. Um, he only logged 24 snaps in this game, but he was able to sack Joe Burrow. He forced two run stops. And before Joe, uh, JJ went out in that game, I, I think he went down midway through the second quarter. At that point, Mixon only had, had 11 carries for 20 yards. We were dominating them. Obviously, he couldn't finish the game, but I feel like if he played full, all four quarters, he was going to have a monster performance. He was still very disruptive in the snaps that he did have. I, I, th- I thought our biggest reason for our success against the run defense was our awesome play from that linebacking core. First off, Kaiser White is playing out of his mind. I think he should be a pro bowler. Finished with 10 tackles, a tackle for a loss, and led the squad with seven run stops. Pretty crazy production. Drew Tranquil also had 10 tackles. He was all over the place. Second with four run stops, but also had a big impact in the pass game as well with the sack, a quarterback hit, and broke up a pass. Uh, our run defense was awesome. Um, and it, it's slowly improving. And I, being able to shut down the run against the Bengals, it really allowed our pass rush to get going because it forced a ton of third and longs, right? We were saying this last week. We need to win on first and second down to force long third down conversions. And since he faced an average third down distance of 8.9 yards, that's so tough to convert. And because we were able to get ourselves in those scenarios, our pass rush had the best performance of the season as well. Set season highs, the Bolts did, with 27 pressures. We had six sacks. We hit just uh, Joe Burrow another 11 times. That poor man could never get in a rhythm because he was just getting harassed. I, I think the craziest thing about those 27 pressures, six sacks, we did that without Joey Bosa in this game. Bosa played nine snaps, like you said, hit his head, um, kept him out, precautionary reasons. 
but we've been talking about it all year, how Joey Bosa needs a pass rush teammate. And I think Staley might have just unlocked one in the form of Uchenna Nwosu. Easily played the best game of his young career against the Bengals. Finished with a, you said it, team high. It was seven pressures, but two sacks. And that first one where he forced the fumble on Joe Burrow, I thought was just such a fantastic play because initially, Nwosu gets beat on that play. He tries to use a, sp- a, pa- a speed rush around the corner, and the tackle does makes a nice kick um, and, and initially has Nwosu pinned up. But Nwosu never gives up. His momentum carries him all the way around the pocket to where he's facing Joe Burrow's back. And while he's getting pinned, is able to punch the ball, has the awareness to find it and fall on it. That was just such an awesome energy play from Nwosu. Uh, and I'd like to see much more of that going forward. I, I think we might have found a pass rush teammate for Joey Bosa final. You know, it's really coming at a good time because he's in a contract year, right? Absolutely. And he's really starting to hit his stride these last couple of weeks. He's been graded pretty highly by PFF. Um, and right now, if we were to bring him back, because we don't have an edge rusher opposite Joey Bosa next year, we have Chris Rumpf, right? Who, who you know, I thought played really well too. Played really well, but still developmental guy. If we oh, yeah. wanted to bring back Uchen and Nwosu, it shouldn't cost all that much. And I feel like he'd be a quality starter. He's not not a game-changing type of edge rusher, but he's definitely a quality starter, a rotational piece, and he's really, really come on to his own. The Bolts had seven sacks on Joe Burrow. Seven. He dropped back 40 times, 27 yeah. total pressures. He was seeing the pressure more often than not, seemingly like all the time. And it's just so big for a team. He had, he had 40 pass attempts, but 50 dropbacks. But still. 50 dropbacks. More ridiculous. than half of those, he was getting pressured. Insane. It's insane. And we did all of those pressures, all of those sacks without Joey Bosa for most of the game. And that's not something I would have expected at all with Joey Bosa going out. I was thinking, man, the pass rush is going to really struggle. And it really took off. We had, Uchenna had two sacks. And then you had Chris Rumpf with one, you had Derwin James with one, you had Drew Tranquil with one, you had Justin Jones and Seer Adderley. Everybody was getting to the quarterback. And, that's and at least two players at each level. That's pretty crazy. That's insane. And it's not like the Chargers were blitzing, right? What they were doing was they were only bringing four majority of the time. But they were switching up their, their, uh, their rushing, right? So what they were doing was they would, you know, drop a, a – um, outside linebacker out into the flats, and they would bring, you know, Derwin James off the edge or Nasir Adderley off the edge. They were bringing four consistently, but they were disguising how they were going to be bringing those four. And it really worked out. It's something I want to continue to see as we come into this back half of the season, as we start cleaning up the regular season here and maybe going into the playoffs and see how that does for us. You know, those those different looks, they're, they're a little confusing for the offensive line, especially when – that was really struggling with injuries last week. Well, yeah, and I think we're we're finally starting to be a little diverse in our play calling, right? I, I think it was a big part of our success on defense is because they did not know where the pressure was coming from. Uh, they did not know who was dropping back. And I think similar similarly, we saw something similar from the offense where we were calling, you know, we're calling for deep shots like we haven't been all year. Um, early in the finally, game, we were early in the early. Game. Well, it started they to figured really us out. tailor out toward the toward the second half. Well, yeah, um, 
Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Now, the most unique thing about sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever worn in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART. Yeah, because like in the third quarter, I feel like we were taking those deep shots like early and often. I mean, Justin Herbert had 182 yards in like eight, nine, ten attempts. That's insane. That's not normal, right? And, And then for whatever reason, we got out of that play calling. And it's not well, like Justin Herbert didn't have time to throw. I mean, his pass protection up front held up all day. Really, really good. What I did notice is that first half, the Bengals were playing almost predominantly single high safety looks, which was leaving uh, Williams and Guyton just on one-on-one matchups on the outside. And if you're going to guard Mike Williams one-on-one, Good luck to you. We're going to burn you. That's why you had five catches for 110 yards. Um, it, was, it wasn't it was until the second half where they started giving us some two safety looks. Yeah, they um, did come into t- cover two. Where we had to start going you know, away from that. But, yeah. Uh, and But w- when they gave us the opportunities to take deep shots, we took them, and we were so successful with them. Um, yeah, great. And we finally got to unleash Herbert's arm. We've been asking for it all year. We finally got to see some of his amazing arm talent. Um, it was fun to see see us air it out against the Bengals. Definitely was. It was really good offensively to see Keenan Allen involved. Uh, he had two touchdowns. I think that's the first time he's had two touchdowns in a game in, in a while. He only has four on the season. He's been a major, major threat on third down, but once we get into the red zone, it's been spread out a little bit more. Uh, so it's nice to see right now, Keenan Allen is actually third in third down conversions. And he was still making, I, I, uh, Justin Herbert had a rollout early in the game. I think it was the first drive where he was rolling out to his left and he found uh, Keenan Allen on like a side arm, side arm cross body throw that really hit the mark. Big. I, I don't think people understand. It might have only been a 10-yard gain or an 8-yard gain or something like that, but that's a hard throw to make. And Keenan Allen didn't do anything spectacular. He had five catches for 34 yards, but he came through in some big moments. Those three in particular were just so big uh, for them. Mike Williams, you just said it, 5 for 110, getting deep. And then what about Jalen Guyton coming yeah. down with a contested catch in the end zone like that box out of a defender like he's Mike Williams. That, that was, was nice a hell of a see. play. That was an effort play too because uh I want to say it was Jesse Bates. He had a play on it and if Guyton didn't want that ball as bad as he did, Guyton could have easily or, or Bates could have easily rolled over and got possession of him. They both it was one of those simultaneous, you know, possessions and Guyton you could tell he wanted that touchdown so bad cuz he just yanked it out of Bates's hand. 
a lot of effort from him. And if, if I know it's just one game, but if we can add a reliable wide receiver three to the superstar tandem of Keenan and Williams, that's going to be so scary uh, come January. Uh, going to some negatives from this game, I don't think Michael Davis had a very good game at all. I mean, T. Higgins was let loose a couple times. Uh, he had nine catches for 138 yards and a touchdown. Definitely wasn't his On greatest my game. Too, I should have played him. <laughs> <laughs> and the the Chargers are struggling without Asante Samuel in the lineup. He should be back next week. I'll get in the injury report here in a little bit. But Michael Davis and Tevin Campbell. They, they're struggling a little bit, not super, super concerning. They're kind of few and far between, but they, they've been giving up some plays, especially Tevin Campbell. Uh, Chris Harris Jr. will get into to his uh, COVID thing here in a little bit. Um, really taking some negatives from him throughout the whole season. You're starting to see him regress quite a bit. Uh, but T. Higgins had a big day, and Jamar Chase should have should have had a big day. It was insane that Joe Burrow was able to spread the ball around as much as he was under pressure without a pinky finger, which is so like important to like gripping the ball. And he was still doing it super. I got mad respect for him coming through that game and still passing for over 300 yards with, with four fingers. It's, that's insane. And I don't want to beat into it because I know in the broadcast, they just talked about it over and over and over and over they again. About, yeah. But it, it is, it is impressive because that's not easy to do. Uh, dislocated finger? That's insane. How are you throwing the ball with a dislocated finger? And still better than whatever backup is on your roster, right? Well, and yeah, people want to, I mean, look at it as a, it's, oh, it's a pinky. It's on his throwing hand. I don't think people realize how you need all five of your fingers to accurately throw a football. Um, <laughs> and the fact that he was able to still effectively throw the ball with that dislocated pinkies, yeah, amazing. Props to him. Um, too bad he couldn't pull out the win. Not too I, bad. I'm actually pretty glad he couldn't pull out the win. I'm very excited. But to let's me, get over to this Giants game. Go ahead. I, I had two negatives I wanted to talk about first. Um, Eckler and his fumbles. He had two in that game that we lost. And then had a third that he was called down with contact. Um that was a tough game for my boy Eckler. And, you know, Staley has been saying he's been dealing with the bumps and bruises. And I think against on Sunday against the Bengals, you kind of saw the the toll of the season starting to take effect on the guy. And we need a legitimate running back, too, to emerge these next couple of weeks because I really think we are riding him way too hard the last couple of weeks. Um, and, and I think you're starting to see it take a toll on his effectiveness. Then... On top of that, you mentioned it is this inconsistent play where we kind of just lulled out in the third quarter. Right now, I think that's the biggest thing that separates this team from the rest of the Super Bowl contenders, and that's just consistent play. In the games we won, we've looked like one of the NFL's top teams, and the games we've lost, we've looked like one of the worst teams. And that inconsistent play needs to be ironed out if we are going to make a deep playoff push. Even in our wins, and we saw it again against the Bengals, we haven't been able to put four complete quarters together. And we usually have a quarter or two where we just play horribly. And against Cincy, we go up 24 nothing. but by the end of the second quarter and through the entire third quarter, that energy we played with that got us that lead kind of just dissipated, seemed to disappear. And during that span, we had five offensive drives, just 54 yards 
And during that time, the Bengals rattled off 22 unanswered points. They had the ball and all of the momentum to start the fourth quarter. We only regained control because we forced Mixon to fumble, which set up the scoop and score for Tavon Campbell. Without that play to reinvigorate this team, this could have been a very, very different outcome. And so I've been asking about for it all year. I want a complete game from these Chargers. Now, will we get it this week playing an inferior New York Giants team? I really, really hope so because I'd like just one calm, relaxing Sunday, Tyler, where I don't have to get worried. Like, I don't want my blood pressure to spike again. I I would like just a calm, relaxing Sunday where we blow out the New York Giants. I don't think that's too much to ask for. You know, also, Joe Mason doesn't fumble very often. He's got two against the Chargers. That's major uh, to be able to get turnovers from that back because he doesn't turn the ball over very often ever. No, and that second one, that second one, he was just scared. I think he was, um, I want to say it was Christian Covington got his hand in there on the, on the handoff. So like he never got full control of it. He, and oh, is that it, what it got is? ripped in. Yeah. So like you could see Joe Burrow's handing it off. Right. And you know, Burrow's finger, he was like handing it off with like the wrong hand, which you just don't do. And it was yeah. one of those situations where it didn't get put in the belly. Right. And it kind of was, up a little bit high and Christian Covington got his arm into it and it ended up causing a fumble. Um, kind of so that's, a, a yeah. weird situation how that happened. As far as the Austin Eckler fumbles go, I'm not really too concerned about it. I mean, when you look at it in real time, like he's, you know, he's getting the ball punched out. He's getting a shoulder put into the ball. All of those, those two in particular, um, those are just good plays by the defense. And it had nothing to do with, you know, Austin, like, yeah, Austin's going to be the one to go and take responsibility for it, and it is what it is, right? But at the same time, those were not, like, uh, you know, just contact and, and the ball just pops out. Those were, like, shoulder into the ball, arm into the ball, and it gets punched out. It's football. That's what happens. Really they're not great, too concerned with They're it. great plays. They're great plays. I think the most – the biggest thing is just workload. I, I'd like to see him be able to take a break here and there. And right yeah, now – in like constantly all right now he has to be in there's no backup right you're yeah. joshua kelly justin jackson and and larry roundtree have not been that effective at all i no. don't think outside of the the single justin jackson 80 yard could close out t- uh, touchdown he had where nobody was even around him there has not been a single play by made by any back you can call the larry roundtree dive over the pile but that's a one your game that is that is not yeah. that impressive and yeah. we do um, not we're not going to get that fixed this season it is something that i am looking at probably targeting round three four maybe five um but josh kelly was a fourth round draft pick and he's not even active for a lot of games yeah i would like honestly i would really like his ucla um teammate zach chardonnay on this team i think a physical back like him with some ability to catch the ball would be pretty nice on this uh, on our current team. We do we do need something there. Um, we don't even have any speed at all. Justin Jackson doesn't have speed. Uh, Larry Roundtree doesn't have speed. Joshua Kelly just Joshua Kelly is <laughs> so weirdly built when you look at like his <laughs> his his attributes. Right, he, like he's a big, powerful between the tackles runner who's got a little bit of steam, but is terrible at sidestepping defenders 
um, and isn't he's just not overly effective, doesn't have the vision uh, and the ability to make guys miss in, in the, that type of role. He, it's just, he's not a speed back, but I know he's got the 40 time that backs up his, you know, four four five four four eight. but he doesn't yeah. run to it, right? He doesn't play well, to it. And there's like what we always hear about, you know, game speed. You, you yeah, throw he just on doesn't pads, have it. It's a little different. Let's get into this uh, injury report before we talk about the Giants game. So there's a handful of players on the injury report. Austin Eckler is dealing with an ankle injury. He was a limited participant. Uh, Kyler Fackrell had some sort of knee procedure. He did not practice. He has not hit IR. Uh, I'm assuming it's just like a knee scope. Might be a a one- to two-week injury um, to heal. I know he played through it, uh, but they, they saw enough in there to try to clean up some of his knee. Uh, probably out for one to two weeks in in my if my guess. I'm not a professional, so don't take my word for it. But, but um, if I had to guess, he it didn't sound too terrible in Brandon City's press conference. Uh, Matt Feiler uh, still dealing with his ankle injury. He was a full participant. Louis Gilman has been out multiple weeks. He did not practice again. Uh, Justin Jones went out early ish in the uh, first half of the game against the Bengals. Uh, he did not practice dealing with another ankle injury. We did get Linval Joseph back. It does say that he's got somewhat of a, a shoulder injury, uh, which kept him out the first week, but he spent the last two weeks out due to COVID. Uh, Corey Lindsley, it says back, but it doesn't really say if he practiced or not, so I have no idea what's going on there. You got Trey Marshall, and then Asante Samuel made his way back. We also got a couple players on COVID. Uh, Keenan Allen should play. He is vaccinated. Um, but you do have two close contacts. You had Mike Williams and Asante Samuel, um, Chris Harris Jr. I think I just read somewhere that um, both players are close contacts. They hadn't tested positive, but Mike Williams, I did see something about 15, 20 minutes ago uh, stating that he did actually test positive today, so he will not yeah. play on Sunday. Uh, Chris Harris Jr., I, I think, should be able to be good to go. So Mike Williams is officially out. He can't get two positive or negative tests today and tomorrow right. and be ruled. So he's yes, a no-go. Because he, yeah, he tested positive. I'm not sure if he's vaccinated or not, I'm hearing. But I don't think anybody actually knows which players are vaccinated or not. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that ends up going. Uh, that's just more reps for Josh Palmer, uh, Jalen Guyton, um, who knows, maybe we'll see K.J. Hill activated. I know he was previously activated in, in early parts of the games uh, this season, but he's been out for the last – since he lost his punt returning duties, He's he's been out. Going over to the Giants, Mike Glennon and Daniel Jones are out. Um, you got Saquon Barkley, who has dealing with an ankle injury of some sort. Uh, if there's no – QB1, QB2, you're definitely looking at Saquon getting a lot of carries, which is dangerous. Kadarius Toney uh, did not practice. Adoree Jackson did not practice. Kenny Galladay did not practice. And then Sterling Shepard was a limited participant. So they've got injuries to the running back or the wide receiver room. They got injuries to the quarterback room. That's a recipe for 30 carries for Saquon Barkley if he is good to go. Yeah. The the thing is though, the New York Giants offensive line 
is garbage. It is so bad. And I, I think you see a play or two a game from Saquon where you see the old Saquon bust a big play. But for the most part, watching Giants highlights, it, it's handoff to Saquon right into the back of his O-line for a one-yard or no-yard gain. Um, so, yeah, Saquon, if this was you know before the injury uh, with an offensive line, I might be a little worried. But I don't know. This, this team infears, or instills no fear. In me, and I think, I think is the big key to, for me on both sides of the football is we we just can't play down to our competition. You know, this is a classic bait game where the Giants' season is over. Right? They they are making the playoffs. Um, they are only playing for pride at this point in the year. And on the other hand, Chargers are right in the middle of a very contested AFC playoff race have a legit shot at a division title for the first time in many, many years. So, yeah, we cannot play down to our competition. We need to get off to a hot start. And I'd like to blow these guys out. So by the third quarter, we can rest our starters. Hopefully we can give some rookies some extended playing time once the fourth rolls around. And I mentioned it before. Can we put a full four-quarter game together, please? Now, this is a great way, a great week to get everything sorted out. It's a great week to build some confidence, you know, as we prepare for the final stretch of the season. Let's get it done. This is definitely a a momentum builder coming off a a big win last week. This should be a fairly easy game. And now it's the NFL. No game is easy. But when you look at the injuries that have been stacking up, you look at Saquon Barkley, who is a animal. He is a beast. But if you look at how he has played since his ankle injury, it hasn't been all that impressive. Uh, he's averaging just 3.9 yards per carry, 3.8 yards per carry. Um, off of just 84 attempts, he hasn't played a whole lot this season, but he is going to be their entire offense. Uh, I am kind of looking forward to Jake Fromm getting the start. Um, I, I like Jake Fromm coming out of college. Um, I like rookie quarterbacks going up against Chargers defenses. That's what I like. <laughs> you know, we have a very good history of of that. Uh, but it is interesting to think uh, Jake Fromm's first start. Uh, the the Giants are not sold on Daniel Jones. Uh, Daniel Jones actually has been probably their best rusher uh, over the last two seasons because he, he's got some speed, and if he sees a hole and he takes it, he's not making anybody miss, but he's got long speed where he can yeah. really gash you, and you don't have to worry about that this week, which is outstanding to think about. Um, overall, with all the injuries that they have to their uh, to their quarterback room, to their wide receiver room, it should be a heavy, heavy dose of runs. And then you're looking at their offensive line. Uh, Andrew Thomas, who was really many people thought he was the best tackle in last year's class, he has been a major, major bust. You look at Will Hernandez, who was looked at as the best offensive guard in his draft class, also been very, very bad. Nate Solder playing right tackle, hasn't been really great since he left the Patriots. Uh, Billy Price was let go from the Bengals last season, and then you got Matt Skura there. Um, It's really a bunch of underachieving high draft picks that they got there. Billy Price was a a second-round draft pick. Will Hernandez was a first-round draft pick. Andrew Thomas was a first-round draft pick. And then, like I said, Nate Solder, um, steady veteran but he didn't play last season due to COVID. And then, you know, he hasn't really been um, the player that they 
signed him. They signed him to a massive contract coming away from the Patriots. But overall, it's just a a group of not very good underachieving uh, offensive linemen. Yeah, um, that's like that's the deep, that's the uh, matchup on defense that I'm kind of looking at is our pass rush going up against one of the worst pass blocking units in the league. And I think looking over across or, or looking back on our season, I think in our most dominant games, we see big performances from the pass rush, pass rush department. And it seems like this unit is heating up at the perfect time. Over the past four weeks, Nuoso has racked up 15 pressures, the 11th most in the NFL during that span. Now, Bosa, he ranks fourth in pressures over the last four games with 19, which is absolutely insane because that's really just three games because he didn't play last week. Now, with Nuosu finally finding his rhythm in the system, Bosa, you know he feels like just a caged bear being held out Sunday watching his boys just eat. Um, now we're going up against PFF's worst-ranked pass-blocking unit, while I think our interior guys are starting to play better as well. You know, I know you aren't the biggest fan of Jerry Tillery, but he was second on the team with four pressures against the Bengals. Uh, I think my point is this unit is coming together. We're, we're finally seeing them kind of click and basically our pass rush has just been Joey Bosa up to this point. We're finally starting to see some more pieces uh, get involved. And I think that really bodes well for our pass rush unit as a whole. I, I expect them to have a, just a big day because like you said, their line's not good at all. It really isn't. Um, that's probably the matchup I'm looking at too. Is is this really, really bad um, offensive line? Even run blocking, it, it hasn't been all that great. And like you said, building confidence, building momentum. You know, this is a week to start getting it right. Focus on your fundamentals, and really let's build and finish this year strong on the defensive line, that is going to be key. And I feel like this is a, a game for Jerry Tiller to have a big day. It's a game for Linval Joseph to come back and, and knock off some of the rust since he's been out the last three weeks. Um, it's definitely a big game for them up front to carry on to the rest of the season, to really start playing better, right? How you started the season is not how you finish. And this group, our defensive line really, really struggled this first half of the season. But over the last couple of weeks, you take away the Vikings game, you take away the, um, the the Patriots game. Some of those other games, we've been pretty dominant uh, really since um, Justin Jones made his return. So it is good to see, and I think it is a, a matchup I'm looking at. Going over the d- defensive side of the ball, uh, I don't think that they're as bad as many people think, especially up front on their defensive line. Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, uh, Austin Jackson, those three interior guys are really, really dangerous. Um, anytime they, they play a, a three, four defense and anytime your, your, you know, your defensive front includes those names right up top. I mean, Leonard Williams has seven sacks. Dexter Lawrence has uh, two sacks, but he's also got 22 pressures, which is right behind Leonard Williams. And then Austin Johnson is probably one of the best nose tackles right now. Um, and they got some guys on the outside. Aziz Ujulari, who's a rookie this season, he's got seven sacks. I think he leads all rookies in that category. Uh, he's getting pressure. Um, they're able to get pressure on the quarterback, and it's really not that bad of a group when you look look at it 
up front for what it is. I mean, Quincy Roche has been getting a lot of playing time. He was like a sixth round draft pick and he's been impressive in those, those roles as well. I mean, he's got two sacks himself. Um, they're, they're coming together pretty strong. And I think that we need to, to c- carry on the momentum, continue to protect Justin Herbert. But I think we're going to struggle, especially in the run game, if we're trying to do in, any inside zones or anything of that nature. Yeah. I, I think because of the opponent we have this week, Yes, if we have a big performance, it's going to definitely give us a whole lot of momentum moving towards the end of the season. But in the same vein, losing to a team like this with the injuries they have, with the you know the talent discrepancy, this would be such a demoralizing team to lose to at this stage in the season. So let's just throw that out the door. Let's come out from the opening kickoff, punch them in the mouth, and just show them who's boss from the opening kickoff. If we could seize the momentum... Um, even with a bad third quarter, if we can get up to a 24 nothing lead on the Giants, they're not coming back. Um, so I, I think you just we got to get out to an early lead and and never let off the gas in this one. I, I want just to ride. I want four quarters of just nonchalant layback on the couch football. That's what I want. Uh, looking over across their secondary, they got some good names there in the secondary. Dory Jackson. Uh, who's been up and down throughout his career. He's played phenomenally at times. He's also really played like a dud. I know he's also had some injury concerns, which he's dealing with this year. Yeah. Um, but they've also lost some big names. Jabril, Prepper, Jabril Peppers, uh, Nate Ebner are both out. Uh, Xavier McKinley, who was their first-round draft pick last season, has been filling in, played fairly well for them. Uh, James Bradbury's a lockdown corner. Um, I think he's going to be following Keenan Allen all game. You got Logan Ryan, who's kind of a cast off of, you know, a former self of his where he was with the Patriots. Um, they have some good guys there in the secondary, even even rookies. Aaron Robinson's been coming in, playing pretty well, coming out of the slot. Um, they also have J.R. Reed and Julian Love uh, to back up their safety rooms. Overall, it's a pretty strong secondary. I don't know exactly how they've been playing together, but I do recognize the names, and those guys are ballers for sure. Well, so is Keenan... Are, are we positive Keenan's playing this weekend? I'm pretty positive Keenan's going to be playing this weekend. I'm not really worried about it because he's vaccinated for sure. He's definitely vaccinated, and he's you know he's he's going to be good to go. I, I don't think that if we do keep him out, it's because we're playing the Giants and yeah. we're saving him for the important game, which comes that Thursday against the Chiefs. Okay, well then then this matchup, I think, becomes even more critical in this game. Um, and it's our receiving core versus their defensive back room. And for first coming in, before I realized what was happening with Williams, I was keying in on Williams against the rest of their DB group because our team is so drastically different when Williams is a featured part of this offense compared to when he's not, and which is why I'm more worried that we don't have Williams um, than than having and then not having Keenan this week. In games where Williams has at least five receptions this year, the Chargers are five and one, and we average thirty two point seven points and four hundred twenty eight yards per game. Absolutely dominant. In games where Williams has less than five receptions, we are two and four. We average eleven fewer points and we average nearly ninety five fewer yards. That those are two very very different teams. And now you're telling me we don't get that option. Um, we need somebody else to step up. Jalen Guyton had a great game last week. 
We're going to need to see Josh Palmer step up with, with extended reps. Um, and this Giants defense is very, very similar to Philly's defense and where they give up a very high completion percentage. They give up a lot of completions underneath. They allow a very high quarterback rating, but they don't allow a, a lot of high yards per attempt or yards per catch. So that means they just don't give up the big play. That's what we had success with last week. We're going to need some, we're going to need either Guyton or Josh Palmer or a combination of both of them to be able to step in and replace Williams because he is just such an important factor of our offense. Um, like I was saying, five and one when he has five receptions. So they're allowing uh, reception on 71% of their passing attempts. But when you Jesus. look at, when you get into it, right, and you look at Xavier McKinley, Xavier McKinley is allowing a reception on 72% of his targets, but he's also got five interceptions. So he's able to get his hands on the ball as well and create some turnovers. James Bradbury is allowing a reception on 65% of his targets. He's got three interceptions himself. Uh, he's also got seven PBUs. Um, while they'll allow some of those receptions, right, they're also getting takeaways. Um, so it is something you have to monitor. I think you're probably going to, to target their linebackers a little bit more, try to get Keenan, match it up on a linebacker, use them over the middle. Um, I, I really do think based off of the track record of the play calling, they're going to be running a lot of those rub routes. They're going to be doing a lot of that against this uh, and taking advantage of the fact that you might not want to test Xavier McKinley deep because he'll he'll take the ball away. He'll bait you into those throws. Um, so we'll have to monitor that a little bit more closely. Uh, I, I think that overall they've got some ballers in the secondary between Xavier McKinley, James Bradbury, and Adoree Jackson. And uh, they, we've definitely played better and worse, but this, is, this isn't a secondary to just shrug off. Uh, the defense, I think, is much better. I think the offense puts them in some bad situations, but I, I really think that this defense is a quality top 12 to 10 range defense based off of the players that they have there. Um, it, I, I think that their metrics are skewed a little bit just because they're always playing from behind. They're always yeah. on the field, um, but they'll they'll surprise you. They'll get some turnovers. They'll, they got some ballers back there in the secondary. And up front in the middle, their their interior defensive line is super super strong. So they, they got some pieces there. Um, I I totally foresee Justin Herbert throwing at least one interception this week. Seems like he's doing it on a weekly basis, once a week minimum. I think it's the last four or five games he has at least one pick. Um, it's it's been a significant stretch where he's thrown at least one interception. I'm really interested to see how they play them. He's he struggled with two safety looks at times. He struggled with pressure in his face at times. Um, and I think they're going to get pressure on him. So I, I totally see at least one interception this week. Uh, that Justin's not too hard. He's very, very good at fitting the ball into spots. Um, but he does struggle with pressure in his face and with coverage uh, that is – you know, showing something different than what he's expecting pre-snap. Yeah, it's going to be an interest. Is it? It's in Los Angeles, right? So yeah, will I will be, be at long. that game. Uh, I've got only two games left, and they're both <laughs> a week away. I'll be at the Giants game on Sunday, and then I'll be at the Chiefs game 
on Thursday, and then right after that, uh, I'm I'm pretty much done for the, uh, football games this season, which kind of sucks. That's a bummer. Final score prediction. I want a big, dominant 38-17 win for my Chargers. I don't think they're going to score 17. <laughs> they, you don't think they are going to score 17? No, no I, way. I, this offense... I, I think it's going to be 38-10, and they get a score on the last drive of the game. That's I think kind of we're going to get our first uh, shutout. Shutout? Yeah, yeah I'm calling it a shutout shut here. I'm going to call it 28-0. Um, I don't think we're going to score that many points because I do think that this defense a lot is more quality than you expect. But if, if we're able to stop the run and we're, we're facing Jake Fromm, this is going to be a – Blowout game, and they are not putting any points on the board, especially with all the injuries to all their skill positions. Who are they going to throw to? I'm all for a shootout, but I'm also really all for only rookies playing uh, the fourth quarter. So in that scenario, I wouldn't mind giving up a garbage touchdown or two uh, if that means everybody that matters gets to sit on the bench for the fourth hey. quarter. That's what I want. I want by the fourth quarter to come around me already making my graphic. I want, <laughs> yeah, that's what I want. Yeah. I want. I'm, I'm calling a shutout this time. game. This is the game that, that you're going to get a shutout based off the injuries, based off of who's playing quarterback, based off the momentum it. that the chargers are starting to swing their way. This is, this is a game to pitch a shutout. And, and when was the last time the Chargers had a shutout? I can't remember. Um, I want to say it's probably, if I had to guess, I think it's got to be a Jaguars game somewhere. <laughs> that makes sense. Who do so, the Chiefs have this week? Uh, that's a good question. The Chiefs, I think, I are playing the Raiders time. or Broncos. Good. Good. So hopefully they get a game to the wire. And hopefully we... Only have to play three quarters. That's it's what I want. The, it's the Raiders, which is a, a big game. Yeah. I'm really rooting for the Chiefs to win this because uh, we need to create some distance between us and some of the rest of the AFC West. And, you know, I'm okay with the Chiefs winning, even if it puts them in better situation to, to win the division because um, we need some losses by the Raiders and the Broncos to really solidify a uh, position in the playoffs. I don't care if they win the division quite as much. I want to win the division, but I, I care about making playoffs first and foremost. Definitely, definitely want that. But I thought I heard something along the lines that the Raiders have one of the str- strongest strength of schedules to end the year. Um, so maybe thinking about that, maybe I, w- I wouldn't mind them winning this one um, just to watch them lose out. Either way, that's one of those games where I kind of hope they just tie. <laughs> right, I don't want either team to win. Yeah, I don't want any team to win, but I, I do want to create some distance behind. I understand. You know, that. pull. I want to pull ahead in this tight, tight AFC West and this really tight AFC uh, conference because I mean, there we uh, we are neck and neck with with other teams. Which is good about that is three of our five games are against division teams, so we can double that distance by winning and giving a loss to a division opponent. So, um, yeah. To give you guys an idea of how the AFC looks right now, right? You got the Patriots, Titans, Ravens, and Chiefs sitting atop the AFC West, owning their divisions right now. 
and then it, the the Chargers are fifth at seven and five, and then behind them the Bengals, Bills are both seven and five. Then you've got the Steelers who are still in the hunt, the Colts that are seven and six, they're still in the hunt, and I think they're a playoff team as well. And then you got the Raiders, Browns, Broncos all sitting at six and six. So it's it is really tight, and we need some losses by some of those teams behind us. Six and six, and then what? The the Patriots lead it at eight and four. Is that nine and four? Nine the Patriots four. are nine and four. They're at the top. They're. I mean, we could still get a, a buy out of this. We're Three still in position. Is insane. Yeah, like there's a good opportunity that we win our division and still get the buy uh, during a wild card. That's still attainable. That's correct. Yeah, let's get it. And it's an extended playoff now, right? So there's two extra teams in the playoffs now. Well, yeah. Hopefully we don't need that extra spot. Um, I want an AFC West crown so bad. It's been so So long. So long. 2011, 12, something like that. Too long. I was a child. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, We'll talk to you guys next week. underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs i've ever worn if you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight sheath is for you the most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body you see their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture wicking technology they're super soft keep everything cool and comfortable and right in place sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out now the most unique thing about sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated which prevents things from sticking together keeps them right where they need to be they'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever won in your life plus they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn and if you use promo code iheart you'll also get 20 percent off your order that's sheathunderwear.com Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART.